Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you in part by Odds Crowd, and Odds Crowd has a ton of free fantasy betting contests, including a $2,000 season-long MLB contest and a $500 weekly contest. Just download their app today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home to free daily video picks from the SGPN. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. And make sure that you subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And we're also brought to you in part by Riffer. Riffer is your home for many podcasts from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Subscribe to our Riffer channel today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash R-I-F-F-R. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close, if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reeves. Indeed, we are back in on another edition of the only digital radio show that you need to find and to follow, especially as it relates to the underdog angle. We love coming and talking about the doggies. I am merely the host of the program. I have great guests lined up to help me. I'm going to enlist the help once again. He's back after a week off, counting all of his money from UCLA plus the points against Gonzaga, from Baylor plus the points against Gonzaga in the championship game. He's all over both of those. Brian Edwards is going to be back here straight ahead from Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com. Senior handicapper, love his insight. He'll be back momentarily. He's on the launching pad. Also in the YouTube roundtable, look forward to talking some Masters Golf Recap with Will Haskett of PGA Tour Radio, Sirius XM's PGA Tour Radio, uh, as Hideki Matsuyama becomes the first Japanese golfer to win any major of any kind as a male. And then, oh, by the way, he wins the green jacket at Augusta, but not without some trepidation, some bogeys, and some problems at the end. Will will talk about that. And also on the roundtable, Luke Easterling is here from USA Today's Draft Wire. Lots of draft talk about the top of the draft, quarterbacks, and what some teams are looking at, at least initially, you cannot talk enough NFL draft as it is now two weeks away as we release on Three Dog Thursday, two weeks from Thursday night, depending on when you're hearing is round one of the draft. And then they do night two with the second and the third round on the Friday night. And then Saturday all day to conclude. Can you believe it? The NFL draft about to be here um, off the, uh, the Buccaneers Super Bowl win. And everybody is now loaded up with free agents. And now the draft is the next phase that is coming in a couple of weeks. So Luke Easterling from DraftWire with Will Haskett, middle segment of the show. 
on the YouTube roundtable. Reminder, wherever you found this show, however you found this show, social media link, our friends at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows. Make sure you subscribe to this show. Search for Three Dog Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Subscribe away. It comes automatically to you. We do our best to make it stay relevant, not just on Thursday, but throughout the weekend. Brian's going to have some NBA uh, conversation and takes right now for some underdogs. We'll even talk some draft underdogs, uh, et cetera, some futures plays for that here momentarily. But subscribe. You want to subscribe away on the podcast, and it comes automatically to you on the notification. And again, thousands and thousands and thousands of you found us in March. Thank you for doing so. Continue finding us through the Sports Gambling Podcast and through subscribing. All of that concluded. Let's bring him in from Vegas Insider and the site MajorWager.com. Love me some Brian Edwards. Again, you got you had such a bankroll that you were gone last week from the show. You're allowed to be gone. Uh, having a great time. Did you did you jet set to like Monte Carlo? I'm not sure what all you did with your winnings, but the tournament is concluded with Baylor getting the win. How are you, my friend? Good to have you. I am good. I merely went to Tallahassee, but it's nothing negative about the Seminoles. It was grandmother's <laughs> 94th birthday. It was rocking and rolling. Went and saw my uh, niece's soccer practice, followed by my uh, nephew's baseball game, which ended at 10 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> and this is Little going, League? This is Little League. He's on a, 11. On a weeknight. On a weeknight, on a weeknight yes. a school night for them. Well, anyway. you, you got to understand, this is the reason why baseball is so rich, traditional, and so many great players, because they're playing at all hours of the day and night, starting even in January when it's freezing cold everywhere else uh, for the baseball in Florida. I'm glad you had fun. I want you to, to fire off a couple of salvos on the conclusion of the tournament, such an epic semifinal that we'll talk about for a long time, 10 years, 25 years, maybe forever, Gonzaga, UCLA, what a game. Uh, you were you were chirping to us a couple of weeks ago about the Bruins and that line was too big, so we bow to you on that. You also were all over the Baylor Bears, even though um, you weren't on the uh, the follow up podcast. Crow here a little bit about the Sikkim Bears getting the win. You were all over that for Three Dog Thursday purposes with UCLA against Gonzaga and Baylor the outright win getting the points to put a bow on the college basketball season. Yes, and I also implied not to take the Houston Cougars as an underdog on Final Four Saturday as well. I think that that UCLA-Gonzaga game has to be the second best of my lifetime. I can't think of one uh, that that comes you know, ahead of it outside of uh, Duke-Kentucky 92. And the only game that I've ever heard comparable to that was the ACC 1974 tournament finals. And uh, I, I've been meaning to call uh, my good friend or my dad's good friend, but I'm friends with him as well, Monty Tao, who's the point guard on that 74 NC State team, and ask him some questions about that. And I, I will do that eventually. I haven't gotten around to it. Um, but, man, that, what an epic classic. The, uh, UCLA that, that game, game okay was. so let me stop you I am too young you're too young but that game is always talked about because it was the ACC tournament final as you mentioned that went to overtime uh, David uh, Sky Thompson John Lucas for Maryland right and the key thing is they both went over 100 points like the Duke Kentucky game the winner goes to the ACC tournament 
The loser, I mean, I'm sorry, the NCAA tournament, the winner gets an automatic bid. The loser doesn't make the tournament unfathomable right. in the present day. So that is yeah. an epic game. And I, I've heard so much and seen a little bit of it, but it's a great reference point I, from you. You and I are contemporaries. I, I think Lynn Elmore was on that team and the lefty Tom right. McMillan that played for the Hawks and got into politics. NC and, uh, State coach. Norm oh, the late Sloan. great Storman Norman Sloan. Norm Sloan, the former Gator coach. Yes, Another dear correct. friend of the family. Love that. So you're going in the way back. But yeah, the Leitner game. And again, Kentucky had the lead on the Sean Wood shot, like 103 to 102. Leitner shot, won the game, 104, 103. That's epic. That's probably the standard. I'm with you. In terms of the quiz final question four. for you, TJ, yeah. Who, yeah. who got stepped on by Leitner? Who got stepped on? That was uh, Timberlake, right? Adam uh, um, 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 Munu Timberlake, something, Timberlake, something like that. So there's I can't to this day, you. there's so many that think Leitner should have been thrown out of the game for a flagrant situation. No. Of course, in the present day with the replay and all of that, maybe they would have done something. But how about this, too, Kentucky fan? Guard the inbound pass which they yes. didn't do. Grant Hill, who's now on the commentary through the past. And one more stat that you love, Brian Edwards, while we digress on Kentucky Duke 1992. Christian Leighton never missed a it. shot. He oh, never missed a shot. Free throw and field game. goal, including that double pump off the backboard that rolled around and out like two or three times. It's crazy. And Vern Lundquist on the call. Yeah. And Lynn the, Elmore, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was just a magical, magical moment. Uh, in the final four, there is no doubt. But this this one, UCLA ties the game with Johnny Juzang. It ends with a half-court shot seconds later, played at such a high level. We're going to talk about that game forever, and that's not to diss Baylor winning the championship. They deserve it. With everything they came back from and the job that Scott Drew did two nights later, they won the championship. But still, my goodness, just uh, a phenomenal semifinal that we'll talk about for a long, long time. And you remember how Bobby Hurley, when they were when UNLV was undefeated, the Anderson Hunt, uh, LJ, uh, Plastic Man squad, uh, Duke was down five, and Bobby Hurley hit the three to cut it to two. Haquez coming out of that timeout, Cronin called with like eight seconds on the shot clock. Haquez hit that three to cut it to two. Then they got the stop, and then Juzang. Was that, was that what forced overtime, or did that precede Suggs's? That uh, that ended up that ended up preceding Suggs's shot. I mean, That's his right. follow yeah. tied the game, and you're thinking we're going to double overtime. And right. then Jalen Suggs had other ideas, uh, just incredible uh, with that. But again, we're shortchanging Baylor too. You were all over the Bears. Kudos again. What a great uh, game that they played. And interesting, I was looking on MajorWager.com, Brian Edwards, that you already uh, were writing about Gonzaga is the is the favorite. I, I would just say playfully, how can we tell who's going to do right. what on any of the futures odds because the transfer portal right now with players flying left and right? I know you got the list and you're checking it like Santa Claus twice and three times trying to check the portal. Yeah, this is impossible to do. But, I mean, they like to throw up out numbers so people will bet on them and uh, – you know, they've done so. Uh, now, uh, my colleague Blake Von Hagen wrote this. Uh, it was last Tuesday, so some of this could have changed. But Gonzaga was the favorite. UCLA, the second shortest odds. Then there's Michigan. You know, Michigan, uh, I believe Hunter Dickinson's going to come back. I don't think he's declared either way officially yet. I imagine that deadline is coming up quasi soon. But Michigan's got the number one recruiting class in the country coming in. FSU's got the second uh, best recruiting class. 
coming in. And uh, Villanova was 14 to one, but that was before Gillespie. Uh, and the other senior, Jermaine Samuels, is going to take advantage of the extra year. Uh, so Nova's gotten some good news uh, here lately. Auburn got some good news. The seven-foot, one-inch freshman, Walker Kessler, who Old Roy did not give a whole lot of playing time this year, but he played great in the two games. He had 20 minutes of uh, playing time, the, the, the game at FSU and the, uh, the ACC quarterfinals. So a uh, big pickup for Bruce Pearl there in the Gators. Mike White's working the portal. He's now got four new guys, which were heavily needed. Well, and uh, we saw Noah Locke uh, left Florida going the other way, out the door to Louisville. Uh, what Texas got, the Kentucky transfer, which everybody was after. Boogie Ellis leaves my Memphis Tigers and goes all the way back west where he's from San Diego, but doesn't go to San Diego State. He goes to USC. You cannot tell the players without a scorecard, so – that's crazy yeah. in and of itself. And then coaching carousel as well, since we've talked with you, Indiana goes Mike Woodson. Uh, the Texas Longhorns end up with Chris Beard, not unexpected, who had been an assistant there before, had been at Texas Tech. Porter Moser says goodbye to Illinois, Chicago for the Oklahoma job. I like that move for him. Hubert Davis elevated at North Carolina. And now at the time that we're taping Three Dog Thursday, it looks like former North Carolina player and Greensboro coach, UNC Greensboro, Wes Miller, will be the new coach at Cincinnati of the Bearcats. So the carousel has been spinning, Brian Edwards, all over the place. Yeah, I give Texas an A-plus uh, with Chris Beard. Solid A, maybe A minus with Porter Moser for Oklahoma. Very solid hire. Uh, we'll see what Arizona's going to do. I don't know if it's going to be Mark Few's top assistant, Lloyd, uh, who has some Arizona connections. Um, what was the other one you just mentioned? Why would it so not be Damon Stoudemire? I just have to wonder aloud. He's been the coach at the University of Pacific. He's a former player there. Is it is it because Stoudemire maybe is apprehensive by the NCAA boom being lowered? I don't understand that one. Yeah, you know, I would think if anybody wouldn't be, it would be Damon because, you know, he'd be coming home, if you will. Um, I, I think that Pastor might have been in that mix, but he's got some skeletons in his closet, and Arizona's got to stay as far away from that kind of thing. I mean, I don't think Pastor's ever been uh, uh, convicted uh, by the NCAA of anything, but there's been a lot of uh, been a lot of bylines about him and uh, – uh, uh, some potential violations before and Arizona's got to steer. I mean, it was like when Florida had to rebuild after, you know, all the Vernon Maxwell and, and Sloan stuff. And, and they went and got the cleanest cut guy in the world in Lon Kruger. And that was the way to, to go. And I feel like Arizona has got to do that here. I'm not, I'm not saying Damon Stoudemire is not clean cut. I, I don't, I don't know of any NCAA issues with him. Uh, we'll see on that one. All right, so that's the Arizona opening, which you, again, may know what they've done or not done as the carousel continues to go around. I love, again, I think Porter Moser is going to have a real chance to succeed at Oklahoma because they have been good, not necessarily great, but good. Um, they were in the Final Four in 2016. They're in the NCAA tournament all the time with Lon Kruger, but before that with Kelvin Sampson, uh, et cetera, they, they have been good, and it's a football school. The pressure to win Billy is not Tubbs, there. Billy back in they, the day. Yes, they've got big-time money and facilities. There's mm -hmm. a lot to like about that, so it did not surprise me at all that Porter Moser jumped at that just because if you contend in the Big 12 and you make the tournament and you win a game, they're happy for right now. It's not, it's not the same if he had taken the Indiana job and you don't win the Big Ten yeah. and you don't win games in the NCAA tournament and make the Final Four. They're looking to run you out different.
Yeah, I, man, I, I don't know about the Woodson hire. I mean, he was my Hawks coach for a long time. He's a class act. I like him, uh, and, but he's been an NBA lifer. I mean, I know he played on the 76 undefeated team and is, you know, loyal to IU and Bobby Knight. I, I believe he's 63. Um, I don't know how that one's going to work. Uh, I just feel like maybe Indiana could have done better, but what they do keep it in the family, so we'll see. I don't know. And interesting that they bring Dane Fife, the former player on the O2 National. Uh, oh, has he hired him? Up. I had not seen that. That's he, a good he hire. Has, he has been hired away from Michigan State after being with Tom Izzo for 10 years. Sure. I didn't realize he'd been there that long. So he's there, and maybe he's the coach in waiting behind Woodson. Well, Rick, my friend Rick Bozich in uh, Louisville, uh, he told me, um, I think it was a day or two before Archie had been fired, when we knew it was a foregone conclusion. I said, give me some candidate names. And he mentioned Fife as maybe the head coach. So, yeah, the, the coach-in-waiting thing sounds like that could be accurate. We will see about Indiana. All right, again, the YouTube roundtable is coming. We're going to talk some Masters. We're going to talk some NFL draft. Um, I, I know you're looking things over for Thursday in the NBA for Three Dog Thursday purposes. Again, we disclaim that Brian and I are taping this on Wednesday evening prior to Thursday. The lines aren't entirely out. Injuries are a big question mark. But one team you wanted to focus on for Thursday real quick is the Atlanta Hawks who you obviously slide and favor, you lean towards the Hawks, but you have some interesting numbers if in their game with Milwaukee that they might be an underdog, Brian. Yeah, well, so we're we, the Hawks are 7-1 and one, uh, straight up since losing John Collins, the second leading scorer, and DeAndre Hunter, the third leading scorer, has been out all this time as well, and Cam Reddish was starting a good chunk of the year. He remains out, and uh, – Tony Snell and Gallinari and Trey Young are questionable tomorrow, but all three of those guys uh, missed uh, last night's win at Toronto and Sunday's win at Charlotte. I mean, the Hawks are really just, I mean, they're showing their depth and Bogdanovich has really stepped up. Capella's been incredible. I mean, wait till this team get, they really haven't been whole all year. They really haven't. And, when this team gets whole, I mean, they're number four in the East as is. Um, when this team, I think Atlanta is going to be a tough out in the playoffs if and when they get full strength healthy. And look, if they just have Trey Young and Gallinari uh, back tomorrow and hopefully Snell, who's one of the top three-point shooters in the league this year, um, they could be a live dog against Milwaukee. But we don't know about Giannis either. He's missed going on, what, like five or six games in a row. And we don't know about him. So a lot of injuries, but the Hawks are playing well despite all these injuries and uh, and they're number four in the East. All right. So again, keep an eye on that. Also, the Celtics and Lakers used to always be such a, a must-see circle to schedule whenever you see it. There's no LeBron. There's no Anthony Davis. The Celtics are actually the road favorite at the Lakers on Three Dog Thursday on Thursday night. So, again, we just tell everybody, keep in tune with MajorWager.com, with your social media, because you'll be pushing out whether or not you like an underdog or maybe like a total, et cetera, when it comes uh, to the NBA for Thursday. That's the best we can do on that front, because we don't have it in front of us, Brian. Just real quick, one more time. Yeah, yeah, and Boston is starting to play a lot better. I mean, two really solid wins at Portland, at Denver, uh, and Boston has now won six of its last seven, so they seem to be uh, getting in a groove. And I think they're only one game back of Atlanta for the fourth 
uh, spots. So yeah, uh, things are getting interesting in the East uh, from four on. Uh, what do we have? The seven, 10, eight, nine play in deal. Is that going to be a best of three or just a one game scenario? I, I'm not sure exactly how they're doing it. And they may be, you know, putting a, a blindfold on and playing pin the tail on the donkey to figure out right? how they do it. They kind of <laughs> did this last year out of necessity because of the pandemic and trying to resume and not have playoff games immediately. So we'll, we'll see how they work with that with the playoff and whether or not it will be a one game thing initially, will it be a best of three or not uh, in these different conferences and the NBA is whittling down to that. Always loved the Celtics and Lakers as you did uh, back in the eighties. It was the foundation. I said this on another show earlier this afternoon at the time that we're taping, it was the foundation of the NBA uh, really 60s, 70s and 80s, especially the 70s leading into the 80s. And Magic Johnson and Larry Bird basically were the backbone, the fabric of the NBA based on this rivalry. Whenever they were, they would always play one of the games on CBS on Sunday afternoon in the regular season. And the other one was always on cable midweek alternating. That was always the case. And it was like must watch TV because you only got to see them play each other twice unless they made the NBA finals. It was always kind of like the preview. So I realized 2021, it's not the same, but it's still great to reminisce about that, Brian. If Mikhail clothesline Rambus like that these days, (laughs) I mean, what would he get, a 20-game suspension? And the best part is two shots fouled. He didn't get ejected, did he? Two shot foul (laughs) that night. And let's just go play the rest of the game. So it was a different time. They, they would have games where Kareem and Bird are trying to throw punches at each other, and neither one are ejected. We're leaving yeah. them in the game. So yeah. uh, it was just that that heightened rivalry. There is no doubt. All right, Brian, stand by. YouTube roundtable coming in the middle here. Some Masters talk, some NFL draft talk. Brian is back in a little while. We'll talk a little NFL draft futures with him. He's got a little UFC conversation. All of that coming up on the program. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet, bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports, and games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today. You'll receive a special offer for up to $500 risk-free on a sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. And download the app today. Again, that's wynnbet.com. And we're brought to you in part by Better Than Vegas. It's like YouTube, but for what DGENs only care about, sports betting. Better Than Vegas is running a free bracket-style capper contest with a chance to win $5,500. Just go to Better Than Vegas and don't forget to let them know that SGP sent you. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV also and subscribe to the Better Than Vegas, Better Than Dot Vegas page. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV for Better Than Dot Vegas. And we're brought to you in part by the Sports Gambling Podcast now being on Riffer. And Riffer is your home to many episodes and free picks from the SGPN crew. If you don't have time to listen to an entire episode, Riffer is a perfect quick fix. Make sure you subscribe to the SGPN page by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. Don't have to listen to the whole episode. Riffer is there. Again, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash R-I-F-F-R.
dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. As we do continue along, another edition of the YouTube Roundtable, and I bring back some very interesting colleagues and guests that talk all kinds of things, but specifically, we've been touching on the Masters. We've got the NFL Draft coming up. Who better to help me out? First of all, from SiriusXM's PGA Tour Radio and his own golf podcast, but also huge sports fan out of Indianapolis, we will definitely have to squeeze in a Colts comment or question, I'm sure, at some point with one Will Haskett. Brother Haskett, how you feeling here on this edition of the Three Dog Thursday Roundtable on YouTube? Good. We can go any direction you want. I mean, hell, I was doing axe throwing while the final round of the Masters was going on on ESPN. So I, I am not a one-trick pony. You know that. I did see some social media axe throwing from you, <laughs> and uh, that's that says a lot about you. It says a lot about this man, Luke Easterling, that he's willing to give me a few minutes because as I joked with him before I pushed the record button, you're usually like shoulder deep or neck deep into the NFL draft by now. He said, no, no, no. I stay shoulder deep or eyeball deep into the NFL draft. From the USA Today Draft Wire site, here is Luke Easterling uh, with me here on the, podca- on the podcast to set us kind of uh, straight on the NFL draft. Good to have you, sir. My pleasure, TJ. Always a good time, man. And look at Easterling, who lives in the Tampa Bay area, for those seeing him on the YouTube roundtable, rocking the lightning hat and the lightning shirt for the defending Stanley Cup champs. I mean, Haskett, you just have to tolerate the fact that we Kucherov, off. Yes, and we haven't even seen him yet. You have to tolerate the fact that we are Champa Bay. Will Haskett in for the audience on YouTube. The Buccaneers with the Super Bowl win in January. The Lightning before that, the Stanley Cup. The defending American League champion Rays raised the banner last uh, Friday at the time that we're doing this show. On Monday, they handed out the American League championship rings. It's Champa Bay through and through. And uh, Luke's based here in the... Uh, in the Bay Area with us. All right, so let's get to it. I'm going to share the screen again for the YouTube audience. Again, if you're only hearing us on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, on Google Podcast, wherever you hear Three Dog Thursday through the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of shows, come find the YouTube because you're going to hear me make site references, photos, whatever, analysis. Come see us. See what we look like on YouTube. With that being said, uh, Mr. Haskett, uh bonsai uh hideki matsuyama becomes the first ever japanese golfer to win any male major obviously the first ever to win the masters you are perfect to give us some insight into how big of a deal this was at augusta last week sir go yeah and it was a sweep don't forget that the augusta women's national amateur event was the weekend before won by a young japanese Lady, So the entire country is buzzing with the Japanese sweep of the championships through the course of that week. And for Hideki, I mean, he's so good at being quiet. It's just who he is. It's his personality. He's kept his, his life pretty private, not just here in the United States, but also to the Japanese media that are all over him. I mean, no one has more media responsibilities on the PGA Tour than Hideki Matsuyama. And that includes any player. I mean, you throw any player out there. There's, he's the only guy who has to do media, whether he shot 80 or 60 at the end of a round. And we just don't see that typically throughout the course of it. And so this is, it was huge because it, it will obviously take a little bit of a monkey off his back. He's still 29 years old. I think people don't realize how young he still is because he's been relevant for the last decade. But he was kind of an afterthought going into the week and has been for the last year or so, really since the pandemic hit. And so for him to kind of reassert how good of a player he was, he was on the short list of best players in terms of talent. 
not to win a major over the last couple of years. And for him to finally get that, we can talk all we want about marketing dollars back in Japan and what that means for him. And obviously it is huge for him, for the country that is crazed about, uh, crazed about the sport and crazed about golf in general. But I think more importantly, it's that we, we remember with the win just how good he has been for the last 10 years and how good he could still be for the next 10 years because he has a weapon with his irons that is really unmatched by maybe just a handful of guys in professional golf. And so if this just gives him the belief to be able to do it again, um, you know, if you told me at the beginning of the year that Hideki Matsuyama would be a multiple major winner, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about Hideki. Now he's won one. It's like, oh, yeah, you know what? He probably should win multiple major championships before it's all said and done. All right, more on that in a second, because the PGA Championship will be in the next one in the chronology in May, and then the U.S. Open will be uh, in June. I, I will jokingly say, and Luke, stand by. Luke's not as big a golf guy. I promise we're coming with plenty of draft. Hang in there. Uh, the, the last time uh, Easterling was on the course, uh, it was probably more enjoyable with the beverages than the the, the golf shots uh, in the drink oh, or in the time. woods. The right? golf I mean, cart. It's all about driving the golf cart, man. Driving yeah. the golf cart and, and trying to break uh, traffic laws while you're at it. But one more on this, Will, uh, for the audience here, because you have great insight. You and I have both worked together. Uh, you've done PGA Tour Radio, what, probably close to 15 years uh, by now, 10 to 15 years or right around there uh, in and around the PGA Tour. My man Hideki was leaking oil, was leaking transmission fluid, had a wobbly wheel. He put it in the water on 15. He bogeyed 16. He still bogeyed the 18th, missing a putt. We were kind of, I mean, I was hoping that we would have some drama, but he was able to serve. It was more like survival mode at the end of that Masters, was it not, Will? Yeah, and he gave himself the ability to be in survival mode. I, I questioned him going for the green and two on 15, but at the same point in time, like you can make bogey from laying up and then chunking it into the water. So while I would have probably said the better play there was to lay it up, where he ended up putting it over the back of the green, it was going to be really hard for him to make anything worse than a bogey from there. I think the, the afterthought is that we forget that Xander Shoffley was then right there with the chance to win it and then rinses on 16. He says he caught it flush and didn't judge the wind right. I just don't know how you can miss it left, which so I question that a little bit on where that miss ended up coming, regardless of what he thought the wind was or wasn't doing in the moment. So I think Hideki's sort of leaking oil and then ultimately winning takes away from the fact that there was probably one guy that had a real chance to go out and grab that tournament on the back nine that wasn't Hideki Matsuyama, and that was Xander, but now has his own sort of narrative surrounding him of, yeah, he's great. He's a top five machine. But is there something lacking to get him across the finish line in a tournament? And maybe he's going to eventually get that monkey off his back. But no, I think Hideki bogeyed the first hole. It looked a little shaky. He got it right back on two. And then for the next two, two and a half hours, he was kind of cruising with the lead. And he gave himself the ability to make a couple of down the stretch. And no one else really hard was going to make a super run at him. And so the one guy that had a chance to do it was right there alongside him, and he hit first on 16. And if Xander puts that somewhere on the green, then who knows where Hideki's mind is. But guess what? Xander did. He put it in the water, and Hideki Matsuyama at that point in time had one arm in the jacket. There is no doubt. And that green jacket, it will be interesting. You're only allowed to walk around with it for a year. Will it be at the Olympics? Will he be uh, at the uh, at the forefront? You would have to think because golf is in the Olympics. Will he be at the forefront for the Japanese delegation? Will he light the mm. torch in the green jacket? Mm. That might happen. Can't light the green jacket on fire. We don't want to do that uh, from the Masters. So plenty of golf talk. And again, because this is Three Dog Thursday, I got one more with Will, and I promise we're moving to NFL draft conversation. As I share the screen, the odds are up here for the upcoming P uh, PGA Championship in May. Kiwa Island 
uh, right off the coast of the Carolinas is where they will play it. Dustin Johnson is from there. Dustin Johnson, who missed the cut at the Masters, is 11-1. to 1. Interesting as we look on the screen for the YouTube audience that even with the win, Hideki Matsuyama is still 27-1 to 1 to win that one. Bryson DeChambeau's odds are better. Justin Thomas's odds. Jordan Spieth's odds. Will, I know you uh, go into the foray of daily fantasy and, and the, uh, the betting angle and stuff with golf. Does it surprise you Matsuyama is 27-1 to 1 a month from now? No, because again, I think if you just look at the whole body of work over the last year or so, that's kind of where he slides in, in terms of talent. And we'll always, will question his putter a little bit. So there are some areas of his game that I don't think will ever make him a favorite over a DJ, a JT, a Rom, some of those guys. Now DJ isn't playing very well right now. We'll see what he does this week at the RBC heritage in Harbor town, which isn't a great golf course fit for him, but we'll see if he can figure out his putter and a few things that have held him back over the last couple of months. But I think if you look at the list of the most talented guys who haven't won a major, John Rahm is probably next. If it gets to blowing and it's really hard there on the Atlantic coast, um, he plays really hard golf courses really well. And Rory won the last time we were at Kia. It was a long time ago. It was nine years ago. He won by eight. Rory is a shell of himself right now. He's lost, a new swing coach, trying to figure things out. So a lot of guys at the top of the sport are kind of sputtering a little bit right now. It's not 10 deep in the top 10 in the world. It's really – four or five guys that are playing in a major championship quality level, which could change in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, I would say it's probably JT and Rom out of that favorite list. And then there's a lot more value in the 40 to 50 to one range, in my opinion, than looking at the at the top of that list when you're looking at bets. Very interesting. All right. Again, we've do we've dominated this with golf talk. It's been a table for two on the round table. Let's make it a table for three and Luke Easterling and bring him in. Here we go. My man is ready for this. Uh, as we take a look on the YouTube roundtable, the draft now just a couple of weeks away. Again, a three-night event. Uh, and all the debate about the quarterbacks beyond Trevor Lawrence, who's going to go one, as Luke is going to talk to us about, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Beyond that, what happens with the Jets at two? And now it's the San Francisco 49ers who've traded with the Dolphins to be in the three spot, followed by the Falcons and the Bengals. So, uh, Luke Easterling, to you first, the intrigue at the pictures that we're showing here of the, of the different quarterbacks of – uh, somebody like a Justin Fields, Ohio State, somebody like a Mac Jones, Alabama, somebody like a Zach Williams or Zach Wilson, excuse me, of BYU, all the quarterbacks at the top. That, that's where this is all kind of interesting for what the Jets do at two after the Jaguars, what the 49ers do at three, et cetera, et cetera. That's what we're focusing on, right, Luke? It is. And, and that's the case every year, right? The, the, the draft conversation starts with whatever the top quarterbacks are, whoever they are, however many of them you have. I think what makes this year interesting is not only do we expect at this point that three quarterbacks will come off the board in the first three picks, we've got a, a really decent shot that we go four for four, whether it's Atlanta picking at four or somebody else moving up to trade up. That's something we've never seen before. We've never seen four quarterbacks in the top four picks. But I think the interesting part in that for this class is you might actually have four guys who are worth it. Um, and that's extremely rare. Uh, there's a reason you don't see four guys going on the four picks is that usually by the time you get to the second or third quarterback, the fourth quarterback, there's a drop off. You know, you, you get to that next tier of guys where it's like, eh, we'll wait, you know, late first round, second round, we'll see. But this year you could make a really strong case. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is going number one. But once you get to two, you know, I'm a big Justin Fields fan. I think he should be the number two pick. I think he's been the best second best quarterback in this class since May, and I think he would be the number one overall pick in any other draft that doesn't have a Trevor Lawrence in it. Um, 
But I get why people like Zach Wilson from BYU. I get why people like Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Again, a guy who doesn't have a lot of starting experience, didn't do it at, at the highest level of competition. But when you look at physically what he can do and also the reports you hear about how smart the kid is and, and how well he understands the game, you can make a case for him too, especially if you're a team like Atlanta or even San Francisco where you've got a veteran who's going to be around for at least one more year if with Atlanta, maybe two, because they're going to be paying, I think, I think the dead cap number for – um, for Matt Ryan for 2022 is in the $40 million range. So even if they wanted to go quarterback, they're going to be paying him a lot of money for a little while now. But I think the interesting thing is where does Mac Jones fit here? Because once the trade happened with San Francisco, that's when Mac Jones went from a, maybe he goes to new England at 15. Maybe he goes to Pittsburgh at 24. One of these, like, you know, maybe playoff teams that could use a guy to upgrade or maybe in the future, after that trade happened, it became, wow, he's he's the perfect fit for Kyle Shanahan. Maybe he's the number three pick. And I, that train really hasn't slowed down much. Um, we saw the fact that the 49ers are going to be heavily involved in those second pro days um, for Fields and Lance. So that maybe threw a little bit of water on that, that, that they're zeroing in on Mac Jones. But, but man, it, it's just a fun – any draft where you get to talk this much about so many good quarterback prospects, before you even get to any other position, you obviously know it's going to be a really fun class to deal with. All right, let me show the audience on the YouTube roundtable because you love to answer fan questions on social media at Luke Easterling. And looky here, Luke Easterling put this out on social media earlier in the week when someone was asking about Mac Jones. You said, I see Kirk Cousins. I'm saying this for the audience. I can't read the tweet because they're only hearing us. I see Kirk Cousins or Jimmy G ceiling for Mac Jones, the Alabama quarterback. That's a day two prospect for me. You don't believe he's even first round worthy, the Bama quarterback. Well, and and this gets into the the difference between grading a player in a vacuum, right? And like assigning a grade or a round to him. And also understanding that quarterbacks are too valuable. And just because you have a second round grade on a guy doesn't mean he's going to get that far. If you would, if you, if you think a quarterback's worth a second round pick, you know, you have to spend a first to get him. That's just the way it works. It's too important of a position. So when I say he's a day two prospect, that means he comes out with a second round grade for me, but that means if I'm Pittsburgh at 24, if I'm new Orleans at 28, if I'm one of those teams, Tampa Bay at 32, if they wanted to go that route, that's where I see a guy like that slotted because I see again, Kirk Cousins and Jimmy G as a ceiling is not bad. That's that's a, a a quality starter at the next level, and that's extremely valuable at that position. You saw that with the value that the the Matthew Stafford trade generated, right? You, for an, for an above average starter in this league, you got to pay up. So when I say he's a day two prospect, that's just in a vacuum relative to everyone else in this draft class. And I think that's where people get hung up sometimes. Is like the way the way we evaluate players in the media. And the way in which 32 very different franchises evaluate and stack their boards based on their very specific needs and schemes and wants and the way and, and obviously things that we don't know, medical evaluations that the media doesn't see, interviews behind the scenes that the media is not a part of. There's all these things that we can't even know about. So the, the quarterback position is so important that just because he's a second round player for me doesn't mean I think he's not worthy of a first round pick. It's just once you get in the conversation of him over Justin Fields, him over Trey Lance. I'm like, okay, right. now, now nah, it's too rich for me. 
Love it. Again, love the insight of Luke Easterling. Uh, Will Haskett with me. Just a couple of more moments here. Will wants to know, because Indianapolis now gets the quarterback with Carson Wentz, and you're a Colts guy, you're in Indianapolis. I see the Butler hat on the head of Will Haskett as well, Indy through and through. Uh, that marriage is interesting. What, what are the Colts maybe looking at uh, uh, here? Uh, just do that for Will here real quick. Uh, Luke, what, what do you like for the Colts later on in this in this first round? Well, I think the, the tough thing for the Colts is it's really hard to uh, replace your starting left tackle when he retires. Uh, so that's obviously the, I think the biggest need, especially when you bring in a quarterback who was really banged up and did, you know, took a lot of hits in Philadelphia. And I think that really didn't help with Carson Wentz's growth and his ability to live up to those expectations of being a number two pick. So when I look at trying to make him successful, I look at the fact that Anthony Costanzo is not there anymore. And I'm like, well, that's the first thing I got to do. The good thing for the Colts here is that this offensive tackle class is fantastic. It is extremely deep. It's got two or three guys you could make a case could be the best of the first one off the board, but also a lot of guys that I really like. They're picking 21 right now. A lot of guys I like in that range. Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, Dylan Radins from North Dakota State, Liam Eikenberg from Notre Dame. So many guys that if any of those four or five or six guys are on the board and they take him, I I think it's going to be a win for them. So a lot of good options there for them. Love it. Will Haskett, are you on board? Are you on the Carson Wentz train here? I mean, uh, you, you love this. You're on the train here for him? Well, uh, any train with a serviceable quarterback was going to be a good train for the Colts to have after Phillip Rivers retired. So I think everybody here is, is kind of on board. But if the Colts can get a serviceable left tackle in the first round, that will make this city very, very happy. Although you're starting to see more and more talk about edge rush because that is a neat thing. But I, man, it's it's hard for me to to see them going past the 21st pick without addressing the gaping hole at left tackle. Because if you don't have that, I just you just bring the demons back potentially for Car for Carson Wentz. So I'd be shocked even if four or five of those tackles are off the board. They may have to make a, a pivot and a move and trade back. But yeah, I'd be shocked if that first pick isn't an offensive tackle. Well, right, Will, one thing I would front, one thing ahead. I would say also is that. I think the important thing for them at 21 to take a tackle is that if you look past 21 in between 21 and that second round pick, a ton of teams who need tackles, Yeah, a ton of guys. So if you, like you said, even if you've got the fifth or sixth best guy on your board there, a, I don't even think that'll end up being a reach because a lot of those tackles are graded in that area. And B, you know, that by the time you get into the fifties, all the rest of those guys are gone. So if you like a guy in that, in that range, you got to take him at 21, unless you feel really confident about moving back from 21 or up from that second rounder. Perfect yeah. example. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers zeroed in on the right tackle from Iowa, the all big 10 tackle Tristan Wirfs and said, we don't believe he's going to be here later on. We think there are several teams that could grab him. So they zeroed in on him. I think that if I remember correctly, it actually moved up a couple of spots to make sure one pick. They, they gave a fourth moved. round pick to move up one spot because they, exactly they were that he scared he was about to be taken at 15. And uh, I think that pretty well worked out on the right side of the line uh, for the Buccaneers. All right, let me plug one more time for these guys because I've got to get out of here. Hear more and read more from Luke Easterling on USA Today's Draft Wire site. Uh, I am showing his social media right here to the YouTube uh, roundtable audience. Take a look and see and find Luke right here. Follow him at the Draft Wire. Also, Luke Easterling, E-A-S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G. Luke Easterling on social media. You also find Will Haskett right here. He was talking about Hideki Matsuyama's uh, win in the Masters on Sirius XM's PGA Tour radio earlier in the week. There he is calling golf shots. 
uh, on the radio for PGA Tour Radio, looking oh so serious, also probably blinded by the morning light or the sunset, whichever of the two. Follow him at Will Haskett, uh, H-A-S-K-E-T-T on social media, does a great job. In fact, Will's got to jump off here because he's working uh, this week for the coverage from Hilton Head for the, uh, the Heritage uh, Classic in Hilton Head. He's got to go do some golf. Lou's got to go write like five more nuggets for the draft coverage on DraftWire. So I think we got all of this from both of you guys. Thank you for hanging with me here on the roundtable. It's great to see both of you. Will, good luck with the golf and more majors coming with the PGA and the U.S. Open and the draft here in two weeks, Luke Easterling. I look forward to reading and hearing more all about it. Guys, thank you. I appreciate it. See you. My pleasure, CJ. There you go. And the podcast rolls on here on Three Dog Thursday. Stay with us. Indeed, Brian Edwards is back with me here once more on Three Dog Thursday, and I love Brian's insight. Keep locked in on his social media at Vegas B. Edwards and also MajorWager.com as well as Vegas Insider and the coverage there on that website for everything about the NBA, the injury updates, the trends, etc. Brian's looking over that card for Thursday again. Keep it locked in, as we were talking about earlier, the Atlanta-Milwaukee game and also the Lakers and the Celtics, you may already know those results if you're listening to us later on, obviously beyond Thursday. But for the NBA stuff, whatever it is, Brian has got it there. So as we bring you back in, we were just talking NFL draft on our roundtable. Luke Easterling, again, does a great job with the USA Today draft wire. And you wanted to chime in here with a couple of futures plays involving some SEC players. What a surprise. But the SEC year in and year out has the best football, has the most players drafted. You have some interesting plays that you're going to probably talk about extensively over the next couple of weeks, but go ahead and and give us a taste right now. What are you looking at for futures for the first round of the draft? Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, what what makes it tricky with betting the NFL draft is it will, in my opinion, like you could be right. It should be what they draft, but the NFL GM is wrong and therefore your bet is wrong, but it doesn't mean you're wrong, but so anyway, it's a tricky uh, – I don't really recommend it, but if you're going to – look, Najee Harris is the best running back in this draft. I know we've gone some drafts with no running back in the first round over the last, you know, uh, 10 years or so, but it only takes one team. And his over-under is 29-and-a-half. He's going to go in the top 29. I, I think he might go in the top 15. Um, so under on Najee Harris, somebody's in love with that guy. Somebody wants him to be their running back for the next decade. And so I think that's my favorite. Go ahead. The only thing that maybe hampers him and yes, Derek Henry even didn't go in the first round. Mark Ingram did to the saints, but you've had guys like Trent Richardson. You've had guys, uh, like Eddie Lacy guys. I'm uh, help me with who I'm leaving out here. Uh, TJ Yeldon and maybe a couple of others that didn't end up being great NFL players. They look good in the Alabama system. Does that hamper Najee Harris even as good as he is? He's an individual. He's individually working out. But does it hamper him that some other guys haven't panned out as NFL players? I don't think so. I think he's got uh, the, the size and muscle and toughness of all of them. But he's got like the athleticism of the of a the smaller guy T.J. Yeldon. I mean, he he hurdles defenders regularly. Uh, he catches it out of the backfield. Great. I mean, Derrick Henry and uh, Ingram and Richardson. Those guys didn't catch it out of the backfield like Harris does. Uh, I think he presents a whole different. I mean, Henry's probably more of the more powerful powerful runner, but. Um, I think Najee is the more elusive runner and and better at catching it out of the backfield, et cetera. 
Um, I think he's going to be a perennial pro bowler. Obviously, with every running back, you got to throw in the caveat if he stays healthy. Um, but, yeah, I, I like Najee. I, I like Devontae to go under 11 and a half rounds. I don't, I don't care what they say about his size. The dude just makes plays, and he, he runs some of the best routes you'll ever see. And then there's my guy, Kyle Pitts, under five and a half, minus 125 price. Um, if the, the Gator Falcons, tight end we're talking about, if you don't know. Keep yes, going, yes. Yes, yes, yes. He is the best player in the draft, period. End of story. I'm going to stop you there. He's not better okay, than Devontae Smith. Uh, he's not better than Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith is more NFL ready right now than Kyle Pitts. I know he's big, and I know he goes and, and, and makes plays in the past game in college, but Devontae Smith is more ready than Kyle Pitts. Right? I saw Devontae Smith in person three times this year. He was ready to play in the NFL this past year, and you're right. If teams continually pass on him, they're making a huge mistake on the Bama receivers. So I think Pitts is a, is a quality tight end, and you believe he should go in the top five uh, there to Atlanta at four or Cincinnati at five? He is the best player in this draft. He is uh, stays healthy. He is the guaranteed Hall of Famer. He is the guaranteed Rookie of the well, Year. Now, we're, the now we're calling him a Hall Rookie. of Famer while we're at it, too. Absolutely. We've never seen a tight end with his sides. They say he has the biggest wingspan of anybody in the NFL right now. He had zero drops last year. Um, he runs a 4-4-1 at that size. He can play wide receiver. He can play tight end. He can play whatever you want him to play. And, uh, yes, guaranteed Hall of Famer if he stays healthy. <laughs> All that. Orange, and I'm burning orange. my Falcons card if we don't take him. I'm burning it. I'm done. Okay, well, and as Luke Easterling said, they're married to Matt Ryan with 38 or 49, 39, $40 million of dead cap money either this year or next year. They're married to Matt Ryan. So his thought was they're not taking a quarterback there at four. Maybe they trade out to somebody else that wants one of the quarterbacks or wants something else. But you're saying if they are sitting there and it's three quarterbacks in a row picking at four and they don't take Kyle Pitts, somebody's going to need to call an ambulance for you is what you're saying in yeah. two weeks. I'm not going to burn my Falcons card. If, if Jerry Jones wants to give us a King's ransom and we, you know, we go back and, and are able to maybe get a Penny Sewell or somebody, I won't burn. I'm going to be irate be clear to be clear, but I, I'm not going to burn my Falcons card, but if we take Justin Fields or Trey Lance instead of Kyle Pitts, uh, my lifelong <laughs> suffering journey through Falconsness will come to an end. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm guaranteeing he's, it. I promise. He's I'm calling his card. shot here. Brian Edwards with yep. us for a few more moments here on Three Dog Thursday. One other thing I wanted to touch on, I didn't get a chance with Luke, but I will with you on the futures odds. So it's interesting on who's the second quarterback here after obviously Jacksonville is going to take Trevor Lawrence, the second quarterback odds for the jets to take Zach Wilson. That's minus 2000. Justin Fields is plus 1600. So the belief is the jets will take Zach Wilson. That's why they dealt away Sam Darnold, their quarterback of the last three years to Carolina. Interesting for the third overall that Mac Jones going to the 49ers is minus 230 right now on the odds that are out there. Justin Fields plus 1800 um, uh, plus 180. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Matt, Mac Jones is minus 230. The favorite Justin Fields plus 180 to go third. If it's a choice for San Francisco between the Alabama quarterback or the Ohio state quarterback, what do you think they will do? Not what should they do? 
What will John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan do while we're looking at those futures odds? I think they're going to go Mac Jones, but there's something, something, you know, just the cynic in me, if you will, just makes me think they're, they're just fooling everybody and they're dead set on something different. Maybe it's Devonte Smith. Maybe it's, wow. Pitt. maybe it's Penny Sewell. Uh, I don't know, but I, if I gun to my head, I I'm probably going to say Mac Jones. Interesting, man. If they've traded up to three and they're not taking a quarterback, Holy smokes. Right. And and it, probably, what if what if Jones doesn't go third now? Now how far does he fall? Well, and that's another good question. And you mentioned Lance, yeah. and you mentioned Ju, uh, Ju, um, Justin Fields, and uh, and obviously Luke Easterling said to us, "Hey, I have a second round grade on Mac Jones for all the hype and all the stuff with the mechanics and what I see. I have a second round grade on him." He said that doesn't mean that he's not going to go third to somebody. Right. He said I just right. see him as a second round talent. So for whatever that's worth, let's see uh, if the Alabama quarterback uh, ends up being that guy at three. Will it be Fields? Will it uh, maybe be the North Dakota quarterback? We will we will find out. we got to get out of here in a couple it, it, of moments. Go ahead. Hey, I think Davis Webb and Kyle Trask, somebody's in love with – somebody's in love with one of the I – mean, I wouldn't be shocked if, some, if somebody late first round takes either of those guys, Davis Webb out of Stanford or Trask. Then again, they might not go to the third round. Who knows? Yeah, and how many quarterbacks will go? And, again, it's, it's never been the case that the first three picks, much less the first four picks, are all quarterbacks. We will find out. It's already been a quarterback crazy offseason with all the trades, the moves, and the new guys every which direction. All right, before we go, you had a couple of – uh, UFC Nuggets, including an underdog for the fight card this weekend, real quick. Yeah, um, Chase Sherman, uh, the heavyweight, he got cut by the UFC in 2018. He went down to uh, basically the you know the regional circuit. He got three first round knockouts, and then you know when they had the first show uh, after like the first six weeks of the pandemic, uh, they had the shows in Jacksonville. On the Wednesday night after the first show when Gaethje knocked out Ferguson, Sherman was on that card, and he put on a clinic and got a second-round knockout. Uh, he hasn't fought since then, last May, uh, and he's been preparing for this fight for months, and his opponent uh, had to drop out. And so Andre Arlovsky, the former champion who, gosh, I don't know how old Arlovsky is now. He's like 41 or 42. He's taking it on short notice, and he's the minus-130 favorite. So I like Chase Sherman the product of Biloxi, Mississippi, as a plus 110 <laughs> underdog. His nickname, the Vanilla Gorilla. Love that. All right, so keep an eye on that for UFC. And I know Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier are both going to apparently fight for a third time here. McGregor, by the way, losing four of his last five fights. So a lot of the luster is off the loudmouth Irishman. They're supposed to fight in July. And by the way, a plug here at the end of Three Dog Thursday, check out our boxing podcast that is out on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows. It will be out on Friday, Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Al Bernstein, who I know you know, Brian, the legendary the boxing Al analyst. Bernstein. Love Al Bernstein, Hall of Famer, ESPN, and now Showtime for over 20 years. Al was on the call 36 years ago now for the epic Marvin Hagler, the late now Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hitman Hearns, the greatest short fight in boxing history ever is that three round tilt. That was 36 years ago as we released the podcast on Thursday, April the 15th, 36 years ago, April 15th, that fight took place. 
Uh, and Al has great stories about that night. Um, just epic to go back and relive the first round alone, Brian. I've probably seen 50 times the, the greatest, uh, most action-packed first round where there's not a knockdown in boxing yeah. history. You would agree? Yeah, although there are a couple of rounds of Ward Gotti that 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 are competitive with those, but yeah, I would agree. I would agree. But Ward Gotti's got some rounds from heaven as well. Oh yeah, no doubt. Okay, so again, check out the Big Fight Weekend podcast wherever you get podcasts. Al Bernstein is on it. Free plug there. Brian Edwards, plug away again. All of your NBA information for the games Thursday, Friday this weekend, and anything else that you have, fire away on how they find you, how they read you, and find out more. Yeah, so um, on Twitter, my handle is at Vegas B. Edwards. Uh, I also tweet injury information and links to columns from the Major Wager Twitter account at Major Wager Uno. You find all my picks at VegasInsider.com, more of my content at MajorWager.com. And if you're interested in my picks, Friday afternoon at 2 Central uh, on the A to, Z, uh, a to Z Sports, the guys out of Nashville I'll do a podcast with them uh, Tuesdays and Fridays at 2 Central. I'll have picks ready for Friday night. Just go to uh, at A-T-O-Z Sports. Uh, their Twitter account will be tweeting out little clips or the whole show, uh, you know, after 2 Central on Friday. Thanks for having right. me, TJ. Have a great weekend, my man. Love that. Get more updated information on Friday. Of course, we've got you here on Three Dog Thursday, always with Brian Edwards. Thank you for that. The YouTube Roundtable, thanks to Will Haskett in Indianapolis calling the golf and much more, and also Luke Easterling talking NFL draft with me as well from the USA Today Draft Wire. For now, we're done. My thanks also to the Sports Gambling Podcast guys, their network of shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Subscribe to this show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, subscribe. It comes automatically to you. We rock on with the NFL draft approaching, the NFL winding down. It is Three Dog Thursday. Bye.